1: Six foot six above sea level. I grabbed the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. no power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the
0: truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT eighty-nine point nine FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair, and today we are joined by Dane County Clerk, Scott McDonnell, who is starting early voting today. Uh Early voting starts today. You can vote at your library. You can vote all over. I'll let him talk to you about it. Scott, how you doing today?
2: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: So what does it take to get early voting up and running? What should folks know about voting early?
2: Yeah, the first thing you should know is that not every community is the same. So in Madison, uh, they're, they're running it out of the libraries. They've got some campus locations. But each town or village or city will have different hours. So you should check their, you know, your municipal website to see when they're open for early voting. But it's the next, generally the next two weeks.
0: Speaking specifically to the county where you're you're in charge, is there any uniformity across Dane County in terms of early voting beyond it starting today and ending about two weeks from now?
2: No, there is no uniformity. So if you're in a small township Often it'll be just the 10 hours of office hours they have. Maybe you can make one by appointment. So it'd be very different from Madison being open in the evenings at the libraries. And so it really does um, vary from community to community. And that's true across the whole state.
0: In terms of voter ID, does that vary from community to community? Is there specific things that folks need to know about, you know, verifying their address and their ID when they vote early?
2: Yeah, no, the voter ID law is uniform across the state. And the, the key to understand about voter ID is the ID is only there to show that you are who you say you are, your address really has nothing to do with it. And that is a big problem we have, especially in a Place like Madison, where there's a lot of tenants and movement, people move all the time. They think that their address needs to be correct on their, say, their driver's license. It does not. In fact, you can use a passport. Well, there's no address on a passport. So, those are two separate things. You can use a utility bill, a bank statement for your address if you need to re-register or things like that. And you can actually show it on your phone. So, you know, um, the key to it is it's, it's almost always going to be your driver's license. It could be a couple other different forms of ID, but the address does not need to match uh, where you live now.
0: For folks who are voting early for the first time, maybe going to the libraries and kind of accessing the extended hours, one of the things I've heard people say is, do I need to go to the library the closest to my home? Can you go to kind of any library? Um, how, does, how does it work to vote early at you know a variety of locations across the city?
2: Yeah, the great thing about the setup that Madison has is that you can go to any library or any of the early uh, voting locations in Madison. It doesn't matter. So we work with Madison and and the county uh, clerk's office to put every single ballot style on each one of those machines. And so someone just needs to make sure you're voting in the correct place, so to speak. Your ballot reflects where you live. But after that, you can go anywhere and it's really convenient. And the nice thing about that is you, you pick up a lot of, uh, families who are going in to get books and things that maybe they would have missed this election and, and having, or, or are those people who struggle with, you know, um, after hours, having two weeks of after hour time is really convenient. We've seen an increase in voting in Madison since that's gone into place. And I honestly, one of the things I was Kind of frustrated is Milwaukee was a little slow to do the same thing because they would really benefit from all the people who move around and don't know where their polling location is. They've started doing it, and some of the other communities around the state and around Dane County started doing the after hours library uh, setup. I have
0: to say, I I love voting early and I am a parent of three kids. So voting, I vote at the library, whether I vote on election day or whether I vote early. It's like 200 feet from my house and it's a place where my kids can kind of hang out and I can, you know, fill out my my ballot uninterrupted. But I got kind of nervous about voting early after the drop box ballot controversy. Um, I got kind of worried that that after I voted early, it would become illegitimate to vote early and that my vote wouldn't be counted. How have you combated some of the the political climate of this moment in terms of, you know, you, you seem to be very pro-increasing access to voting and very pro-getting as many people out and engaged and enfranchised as possible. Um, there is a movement right now to suppress voters, to, to make it more challenging for people, particularly certain demographics of people, to vote.
2: Well, then that's not a new thing. I mean, that's been around for a long time. Uh, the Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've noticed in Dane County in the last couple of elections that people are voting more in person and I think that re- relates to, one, a lack of confidence in the post office. I found them to be reasonably quick. But, you know, we saw that rhetoric in the presidential about slowing down the mail. Then, two, you know, the attacks on the absentee envelope, trying to throw ballots out because fields weren't filled in or, you know, different different reasons. The You know, what I tell folks is voting early in person in the clerk's office, either at the library or somewhere else, they're checking to make sure everything is filled in properly. So it's different. It's sort of like it's sort of like a drop box where someone's making sure you filled it out right, you know, before you leave. So I, I really encourage people to take advantage of those two weeks before the election to vote in person in the clerk's office for a couple of reasons. You don't know what's gonna to happen to you on election day. Your kid could be sick. Anything could happen, right? Um, And then, two, that you'll know that your envelope was filled out properly and it'll be hard or impossible, really, to discard your ballot. So, you know, when we we do a a recount, for example, and we are looking at these envelopes, if we know the clerk is the one who made a mistake, we will not toss that ballot. Uh, You know, if it, it was a human error that you made at home common one is you have an older couple and they don't witness each other's envelopes properly like well our address is right here and they just don't fill it out all the way we can't count those Mm. so you know but that doesn't happen when you vote in person early
0: thank you so much for speaking to that you are listening
2: to WORT
0: 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. We're talking with county clerk Scott McDonald. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 608-256-2001. We would love to hear from you. Um Join the conversation. Ask us questions about early voting. Ask us questions about what it's like to be, you know, county clerk. Scott, you've had this job for a while, right?
2: Yeah.
0: How how long? How many times have you been reelected as county clerk?
2: Well, I've been I've been clerk for ten years. Wow, yeah.
0: last decade. Yeah. I, in thinking about the last decade, I, I agree with you that voter suppression is not a new phenomena. Um, and simultaneously, I think there is a new energy around voter suppression. There's a new energy around um, making people fear that elections are less than legitimate. Um, we saw some really intense rhetoric uh, around you know, the election being stolen, the presidential election being stolen. How has that impact, you know, our, our community here in Wisconsin uh, in terms of local elections? Because that was one of the things that I felt like was really disjointed about the like big lie um, was that it was like Donald Trump, uh, his election was stolen, but nobody else's was. Um, and so the the count was wrong only for him, but right for everybody else. That seems, you know, kind of hard to. Make happen mathematically. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I, it doesn't logically make any sense. And it sort of points to the fact that really it's just a desire to overturn the results anyway, in any way possible. And we saw that, you know, in the 2020 recount that we had in the middle of the pandemic at, at Monona Terrace, uh, the, the, uh, Jim Truppas, the attorney for Donald Trump, tried to throw out all the ballots that had been voted early, in, like in the town hall or in libraries. Even though that's exactly how he voted in the town across Plains. So he's trying to throw his own ballot out in a desperate attempt to overturn the results in Wisconsin. And you can see that just if that failed, they'll go to the next step and then you end up with January sixth. Just an attempt to overturn that election. you know, one thing that was oddly beneficial was this last election where, you know, no one would think Ron Johnson and Tony Evers, anyone would sitting around rigging it to, for that result. <laughs> So there was this pause, and statewide, where we're like, "Well, I guess you know, it kind of calmed people down a little bit that well that no one would have done that." So <laughs> um that that was a little bit help. I mean, do sort of need in some ways people to go back to being split voters, either both ways, so that people are trying to persuade them instead of just going to their base and trying to turn them out to higher percentages, going after people who will split their tickets because then then the rhetoric comes down Mm. but you know what we've seen nationally for clerks and um there's there's swing states like arizona wisconsin pennsylvania new mexico a couple others and then if you think about the blue parts of those states that's going to be the target area that's madison milwaukee philadelphia um and the rhetoric is really directed at election officials trying to intimidate them and that's what's happened here in milwaukee and in madison both the city clerks had death threats. Um, you saw it in Philadelphia. There were death threats against Al Schmidt. Um, and then out in Arizona. So what what worries me is this normalization of that as some sort of tactic to, to go after election officials and others and try to change the results that way.
0: It seems like it creates a pretty hostile work environment for clerks and a, an environment that you wouldn't kind of expect because I think of clerks as— um, you know, not necessarily like the rock stars of the political scene, although, you know, folks who are absolutely essential to our democracy. And so uh, in in some ways, I'm like, it's interesting to see kind of a, a spotlight put on our electoral process. We have a, a caller on, on the line with a couple of questions. Jessica, welcome to A Public Affair. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Do you have a question for our county clerk? Yep. Um, my question is that I have a friend who is confused about what is on their ballot, um, and they live on the cusp of the city. Um, although that they live in the city of Madison, their ballot has them voting for candidates on the Middleton School Board. Um, would you be able to explain why this differs for some voters?
2: Sure. So, I, you know, I don't think people realize that within the city of Madison, there's people who go to Windsor, they go, you know, they go to DeForest, they go to Middleton, Cross Plains. So there are Madison wards, for example, that are in different school districts. And in, in some townships, like the town of Cottage Grove, there will be four different school districts in that uh, township where the residents will go. And that becomes a difficult job for my office to code that election properly and make sure there aren't, you know, people aren't in the wrong Sort of bucket as as uh, what your ballot should look like. So for the spring, we have over two hundred different ballot styles because of aldermanic districts not matching up with school districts, county board and city council don't match up. So you'll have different different styles, and and that's really common. And a lot of that's driven by annexations. So if Madison, you'll see Madison annex a farm field, and then we got to change, even though there's nobody in there. They will eventually, right? Um, you know that in the system to accommodate that's now going to be a city alder where you vote there. Maybe there's one farmhouse, then then now they're going to go from voting in the town of Middleton or something to Madison. So it gets kind of complicated, especially by the on the edge of the cities of Middleton, Madison. Verona well uh, Wanake, et etc
0: yeah Fitchburg has three different districts right um, and your and your district that you vote for is based on your attendance area so what school you would go to what school you would go to you know is not necessarily dictated by that but yeah community. look uh,
2: look at your tax bill and see who's who's getting <laughs> your tax money and that's where you know what your ballot's gonna look like so um you know and, and what the what I always recommend everyone should bookmark, Myvote.wi.gov because on that site you can see what your ballot looks like, you can order about an absentee ballot, you can update your information, you can see where your polling place is. It's really nice. And, and so, let's say you you want to vote absentee and you request a ballot. There's a whole you know uh, timeline that'll say ballot mailed to you, ballot received, so you know where it is in the system, which is something that's really helpful. A lot of states don't have that. Scott. I talked to you a few years
0: about elections and and you highlighted that You know, there are some real things we should be concerned about in terms of, you know, securing our elections and safety with respect to our electoral process. Can you talk a little bit about what we need to invest in, the kinds of things we should be concerned about when it comes to maintaining the integrity of our electoral process?
2: Sure. So I'm on this uh, committee called the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections. It's a national committee with law enforcement and election officials from around the country. And one of the things we're working on is trying to work on messaging, work with law enforcement to take some of these threats more seriously to election officials. I think the first thing we need to do is try to stop from the origin these threats. So and and have law enforcement take them seriously. I mean, if you're a, if you're a police officer, you probably get, you know, ex-husbands threatening, ex-wives all the time, and to them this seems mundane. Like, yeah, people Threaten all the time, but I'm like, yeah, but that that isn't an attack against democracy. That is an attempt to run someone who knows what they're doing out of their job, so that someone else is in there who makes mistakes, which then furthers the problem. So, you know, that the first thing we need to do is try to dry up these attacks on election officials. And so, Madison and Dane County changed the ordinances, uh, increased the the fines, and and that was really helpful. We've seen a decrease, partly because Donald Trump was not on the ballot, but also in general, I think that's been helpful. The other thing we need to do is make sure that they have a secure workplace. We had Homeland Security do an evaluation of the city-county building where both Madison and Dane County clerks are. And there's like nine different exits and entrance to that building. It's not secure. And they said this is not a safe place for elections. So the the county board put money in for a new facility that the city and the county and other municipalities can use around the county that will be properly laid out and secured for the workers and also – protect the equipment the ballots um everything else so that started it's just going to take a couple of years but um i know that it'll be easier to to attract and retain folks if they know that they are in a safe building
0: you're listening to wort 89.9 fm i'm your host ali muldrow this is a public affair we're talking to dane county clerk scott mcdonald and we've got mike on the air with a question about the most recent election how's it going mike
1: Hi, great. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Thank you so much for joining us. The last election, probably under the biggest microscope in the history of mankind, um, in Arizona, Katie Dobbs, the Democrat Secretary of State, she refused to remove herself from the overseeing the election even though she was running for governor Mm -hmm. and then under her watch um this can all be verified real easy um over a hundred thousand incorrect ballots were sent out to certain areas that then could not be used so then people had to go find a new ballot when they wanted to vote early they found new ballots and then on election night twenty percent of the election counting the voting machines failed so then they tell these folks you go put your ballot in a box and we'll count it later and people refused and then they ended up with lines miles long and you can tell how frustrated that would get people so i can go on so it's I mean, this election in Arizona was governor and also had control of the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. So my question is, is the big lie really a lie? I mean, how could this happen with every media source watching this?
2: Yeah. You know, there are... There are errors that are made all the time. I think you know, small. Usually, they're smaller ones. We'll have a, a machine fail in a polling place. Um, it'll get jammed up, and so then you know we do accept, for example, ballots into a a secure box in in the machine until we can get it working properly again. And I think in the past, no one really thought a lot about it. it happens occasionally. Every ballot, though, is is. There is a paper trail for every ballot in Wisconsin, so you can recount every one and see what the actual results were. I do think lines are a problem. I mean, you know, people can leave a line and then that you can't count a, bo- a vote that was never cast. And so we try really hard here to make sure we don't have those kinds of lines. So, for example, we just had Town of Middleton add another polling place because they had some issues in the last election cottage grove is going to do the same thing to make sure that we have a standard of even in the highest turnout election you're not waiting more than 20 30 minutes max at the peak times so we're trying to keep an eye on those things but i think there is the big lie is that someone is changing the results and that's not happening there are you know there are things that have you know there's places out west where they close polling places in place in, in areas that were a lower income and those lines spiked. You saw that in, in, in Milwaukee sometimes. They won't have enough workers and the lines will spike. Uh, we really need to have standards across the whole country about how long you, you know, how long, what's a reasonable amount of time to, to vote and then have that standard. And I, for me, I don't think it should take you more than 20, 30 minutes to vote at any election.
0: When you said the the last election Mike I thought you were going to talk about this most recent spring primary and I have to say like as as somebody who's really an enthusiastic supporter of folks voting for school board of folks voting for our Supreme Court I was really excited Scott that you all ran out of ballots all over Madison in February in February it's so cold that day uh, what? what well, I
2: got to correct you, though, Ali. So we didn't run out of ballots. Okay. What happened? So we we spent a lot of money on equipment to make sure that we don't really run out of ballots. So we so we printed, pre-printed ballots for twice the highest turnout we've ever had in an election like that. So the highest we've ever had turnout was 22%. So we had 45%. Um, the turnout ended up being about 36, 37% in the county. Now it's not exact in every ward, and the place we really struggled was downtown because the students turned out when they normally never turn out in a February election. Get
0: it, young people.
2: That's good, but it's 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 good, but it's sort of you know hard to to plan ahead in that situation. But what we have in every single polling place is called an express vote, and it's an ADA accessible machine, but anyone can use it, and we use them all the time. In that you can put a ballot uh, that's blank, a smaller ballot in there. Choose on the screen who you want to vote for. It'll print the names on there. It kicks it out. You look at it. You can correct it. But then it goes into the scanner just like every other ballot. So we have those stacks of blanks everywhere so that we do not run out. And so no one um, who was in line to vote did, you know, had there weren't a lack of ballots.
0: Absolutely. But by the time I don't live on, on campus, I live on the near east side. And by the time I got to my polling place, like I had a blank ballot, which I was like thrilled about. I was really yeah. excited to see folks turning out. What do you think in, in a moment where, you know, there there is a campaign to suppress the vote, to make it harder to vote. What is getting people out in February to vote in unpre- unprecedented numbers?
2: Well, I think, you know, I the, the tip off is when. Protozeowicz was doing a Super Bowl ad. I don't think I've ever seen a Super Bowl ad for a primary for Supreme Court in my life. Uh, And and also being kind of um, very specific about being in favor of fair maps and abortion rights. Mm -hmm. So usually... Usually these candidates just say I'm qualified. I went to this law school, and these sheriffs endorsed me. But that wasn't this race, right? So when I was out on election day dealing with some issues around the county, what I noticed it stuck out was how many women were in the polling place. So I think that really, uh, you know, was dry. I think there was maybe a slight delay in in the change, you know, in abortion rights in this state, and that now it's coming um, full on in in, in the turnout.
0: I I completely agree with that, and I do think that the overturning of Roe v. Wade has engaged people in a way that... Um, nothing else could because I think that's such a fundamental right and I also think it's a right folks took for granted. Um, I think oftentimes we feel like once progress is established, there we're not we're not fighting for it anymore. You can kind of fall asleep at the wheel and I think there was a definite wake-up call um, in the Dobbs decision. If you're just tuning in, just jumping in your car, just sitting down for lunch, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. If you want to join our conversation with County Clerk Scott McDonald. The number is 608-256-2001. Ask us your questions about voting. Ask us your questions about the new facility our clerks are going to be moving into. Um, Join the conversation with Scott. We're going to be here for the next half an hour, and early voting starts today. So get out and vote. You can do it right now. Scott, I wonder if you think about kind of how your role has changed over the last decade, kind of given the progress you've made in in making early voting a lot more robust and a lot more accessible to folks throughout the community, um, and in seeing kind of the political climate shift here here in Wisconsin. I will say I think there's a lot of confidence in our elections in Wisconsin, um, and it was hard to see folks kind of chip away at that confidence or undermine the integrity of our of our electoral process because we are a really purple spa- state and i think a lot of us have a great deal of respect for kind of the diversity of of folks and political perspectives that exist here.
2: Yeah, no, i think when i started, i mean, clerk wasn't the most high profile job and and i and that was kind of a good thing, you know, if you're looking back on it. Um, you know, one of the, obviously the former president has driven a lot of this uh, distrust in the system. I do think at its base, though, there's also a problem or a difference in the fact that, like, here in Madison, the clerks, you know, in Dane County, you know, think that our job is to make it easy for people to vote and make sure everyone who can legally vote can. So we go to the above and beyond to make sure that that things are open, that, you know, we do, we try to make, Uh, as easy as possible. And during the pandemic, you could drive up and there was a sort of a drive-through voting, which is perfectly legal. But, you know, we were employing those kind of tactics to make it easier for people to vote in the middle of a pandemic. And then there's other people who feel like, no, voting shouldn't be easy. It should be a little bit hard. And no, clerks should not be doing anything to make it easier. And that's inappropriate. That's partisan. And so these basic mindset difference is driving um, sort of some reactions, you know, like democracy in the park where, you know, Madison tried to make it easier for people during the pandemic to be able to drop off their ballots and that that, 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 that just um, it's received in two different ways. And so, you know, certainly I'm uh, in the camp that we should do everything to make it easier to vote. For example, we we, uh, we have Spanish uh, option for the ballot in every polling place. You know, that's n- no one else does that. Um, again, I guess people would say, well, why don't you speak English? I'm like, well, people speak English. They don't read referendums maybe as well in English. Why not have it in Spanish? What's the problem with doing it that way? But other, other folks around the state think that that's, you know, uh, inappropriate or fraud. Of course, that easily quickly becomes fraud.
0: Do you think that there is, you know, kind of the targeted, component of voter suppression that is meant to disenfranchise young people, that is meant to disenfranchise poor people and people of color. Um, do, you, do you see that rhetoric play out locally across the state in terms of Madison and Milwaukee um, being kind of the most diverse or major metropolitan areas? Um, is there are, are folks more sus- suspect, I guess, of, of how we conduct elections?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, pre-Donald Trump, there was always these legislative efforts to make it harder for some folks to vote. So, and in fact, that that's not an opinion, that was testimony by Republicans in court saying, "Yes, we wrote this voter ID law just to make it harder for UW Madison students to vote, like because they vote Democratic." And so that wasn't an opinion. that was and that was part of a tactic too, of restricting hours of DMV. you know, you know oh, you know, trying to uh, just make it hard in so many different ways for people to vote, mostly through the voter ID law and through gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. you know so but I think that was um, th- what's different now is just the generalized effort to say all of the elections, unless they you know, unless I win, it was fraudulent. And so that is, that is substantively different and dangerous because of the emotions, the anger that it generates. And I don't think, you know, right now we talk about the right, but if it, what I worry about is this becomes common, people are making money off of this, uh, that it's going to Get worse and occupy all the space, not just one side.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about this a little bit in terms of because I do think that we give the former president a little bit too much credit for this sensation. Um, I I can remember, uh, you know, staying up and waiting for the results to come in from Florida, um, you know, mm-hmm. during during the Bush election, and and really not feeling like our electoral process as a nation was representative because of how that election um, was handled. I I do think, you know, in in Wisconsin, because I think our electoral process is usually really efficient, um, and and you know we're used to getting results the night of, and we have I have a lot of confidence in kind of my community's ability to conduct an election. It was easy to kind of point at Florida and go, "You're a problem," or to point at Arizona and go, "Like you guys are messing this up. Like you're you're fumbling the ball. Like get it together." Um, do you think kind of you know looking at kind of state by state what our processes are for, you know, electing our, our government um, is something that we need to do, that we need to have a, a broader sense of consistency and a broader standard um, for how elections are, are navigated.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, here's what I would say. the I don't think Donald Trump gets too much credit, and I'll tell you why. Jill Stein said the same things in 2016. But Democrats, there was not the bullhorn of a Donald Trump uh, to push that out, and Democrats just kind of blew blew off Jill Stein, and, and and we did the recount. The numbers were accurate, and that kind of went away. But it was you know it started over there. Mm-hmm. You know it was Bain Capital owns, you know Diebold owns ESNs, and they're flipping the votes. That's what they said, mm. and uh, I of course said and wrote op ed saying this is ridiculous and dangerous, and, and then it gets adopted four years later. So by the other side, and I, I by by the former president. So I don't know. I think you know, it, it, you, if you don't have those millions of dollars and you don't have the the ball faced lies consistently, um, we wouldn't be in this space right now. Mm.
0: Thank you so much for speaking to that. I want to bring on our third caller of the show, Lynn. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Thank you so much for joining my, us.
1: My question: You mentioned early voting. Uh, as being very different in different communities. Uh, I was checking, uh, I'm out in a town, and it was hard to find information on early voting in our town. Um, And I'm wondering, is there any guidance for towns, villages, cities outside of Madison for what kind of information they have on their website or what information to try to get uh, to my vote?
2: No, there is no standard. It is all over the place. And, you know, um, we are a state that pushes everything as far down as humanly possible from, like, an org chart point of view. There, There is no secretary of state running the elections. Um, the county clerk is the chief election official, but then... I don't have any ability to tell the communities what to do. So, that's true in so many ways in Wisconsin. Uh, but, you know, and sometimes that's a benefit and sometimes you get this situation where it's hard to find it. I mean, what you do, for me, I would just call the town hall and and ask, you know, and then, and then suggest at the, to the town board that they have all this information on their website so that people can navigate that
0: Scott, I want to ask you about, you know, kind of kind of the idea that this is a slower election that you're maybe not going to see as much on the ballot locally. There isn't, you know, a, a huge number of people running for school board positions. You have right. two mayoral candidates. You have two candidates for su- Supreme Court. Um, there's a there's some big you know, roles on this ballot, but this isn't the most hectic spring election you all have seen in the last few years. Does this feel like a more manageable election because there just is a, a smaller playing field or was a smaller playing field going into the primary? Well, you know,
2: there aren't that many judges on the ballot. So sometimes that can be an issue where you'll have suddenly five, six judges on the ballot, maybe unopposed, but it turns your ballot into two sided. What, what you'll notice when you get your ballot this time is how many referendums there are. There are a lot of referendums. So read up on those before you get in. There'll be some from the state. I think we've all seen some of the litigation about about those regarding bail, um, for example. And then there's there's some from the county board relating to redist- redistricting reform. So there's just going to be a lot on there that are questions that you'll have to answer. but. Yeah, I think overall the the, the thing about this election is going to be high turnout for Mm. Supreme Court, higher than normal.
0: When you say higher than normal, how do you kind of gauge and prepare for that? Are you imagining that we'll have twice as many people kind of showing up to vote in this election in comparison to, you know, our last Supreme Court election?
2: Yeah. So you look back at, at similar elections that have the same thing happening at the top of the of the ballot. So you can't compare this election to when we may have a presidential primary. That'll drive turnout even higher. So that's what we use as our our benchmarks. This one, though, after what we saw in February as far as turnout, we just ordered a lot of ballots.
0: Uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that. How do you kind of make sure you have enough ballots in terms of early voting? Early voting started today. How do folks know when they, how do you gauge for what you're going to need day to day as people, you know, navigate early
2: voting? So we take the the number of registered voters and then you actually have to add, because we're a same day voter registration, you know, students will move and they'll show up. They're not registered right now you know especially not freshmen or whatever so that and um you have to add on and typically same day voter registration is about a 10% add-on depending on the election but certainly for presidential it would be so you know we we calculate those numbers but this time we just we just have a ballot for every adult in this county for april
0: Scott, because I know you, I know you have a senior in high school this year. Um is is your young person involved in the election? Will they be eligible to vote? I know I know they have a spring birthday. I'm like, there's many a spring birthday in yeah. your family.
2: No, Sawyer will, will vote next election, so not this one. Not this and one, but the but the avid, next spring. Avid, avid wart listener.
0: <laughs> Shout out to you, Sawyer, for having great taste in radio. Uh I, I wanna ask you know in terms of engaging you know there's engaging young people at the college level and then there's also engaging young local folks who are are coming of age as seniors and you know about half the senior class at any school by the time april rolls around is eligible to vote um what what do we do to engage kind of the the folks who have never voted before and now have the opportunity to to represent themselves in an election, cast their first ballot.
2: Yeah, so we've we've done some outreach in presidential years. That's where you tend to see they they get excited about the national politics in general. And um, this this election might be an exception to that. But um, so we'll do we'll do tabling in the high schools. We've done that and other places around the city, um, which has been helpful because you're right. You can register um, when you're 17, although you can't vote, and then. There are 18-year-olds. The only the thing we have to be careful about, and this I've seen this before, is that so Minnesota and Illinois, if you're going to be 18 for the November election, you can vote in the primary. That's not true in Wisconsin. And So one of the things about social media that can be, well, there's a lot of things that are tricky about social media, but one of the things that is tricky is that the laws are not the same state to state. So in fact, in, I think it was 2016, or I think it was 2016, like thirty or forty uh, kids in Dane County were charged with felonies for voting early.
0: Oh man!
2: Yeah, because they were told that you can vote now, and and they can't, and they were somehow they got past. And so one of the that shouldn't happen. They should be told no. Okay. But yeah.
0: So how did they how they end up casting a ballot? And is they, that their fault or the the folks who took their ballot? Yeah,
2: they demanded. Uh, they said to the poll worker that it that it was the law that they could vote, and they were handed a ballot, and they said, "I'm." So you know, there is a there is a technology that's spreading across town Dane County called the e-poll books. They're called Badger books, and that wouldn't let that poll worker issue a ballot to that person. Mm-hmm. So I would just say no. Yeah. Um, training also helps um they all I, you know in the end they all got their records expunged and everything so but but that's one of the problems when these national campaigns will say do this do that and it's like that you gotta know the local campaign that happened with that mailing do you remember the mailing we saw that went out of a week ago from one of these nonprofits? all the addresses were wrong mm. so it says you know goes to you ali and then inside has someone else's name as a return like here's a absentee Request form already filled out for you and is all wrong, hmm. and we have no control over that. But but the address is to the return envelope is to the clerk's office. So then these angry calls to the clerk's office, what's going on here? Well, they had nothing to do with it. Hmm. They just get all the calls, um, and that's another example of sort of these national organizations coming into these states and screwing it up because they don't bother to learn, or they're not. There's no attention to detail. It's kind of a problem. I I greatly appreciate that clarification. I think
0: that's a really terrifying thing to think that like a 17 year old would be charged with a felony for voting like and could possibly, you know, lose the ability to vote for a a significant amount of time um, because that's a that's a serious accusation and a, a serious crime. If you're just joining us, you're listening to W O R T eighty nine point nine FM. I want to give a huge shout out to Jade and Ben for making today possible. Also, big shout out to Shali Pittman. Um, couldn't couldn't do a public affair without y'all. Uh, Scott McDonnell is in the studio with us. He is our, our county clerk and he's talking to us about everything, elections. I wanna to talk to you about kind of the the raising concern around the safety of poll workers. So we talked a, a little bit about the safety of clerks across the state and some of the things that you're doing to really ensure that um, you know folks don't have to be harassed or threatened while they do their jobs. I, I talked a little bit about taking my kids with me to vote. There's been a couple elections where recently I've decided not to because the, the climate was hostile. I vote in a really diverse place. Um, and it's easy to, to start to pick up on the narrative that, there that voting is a more hostile act um, in in our community. Can you talk a, a little bit about how to make sure that voters are safe when they when they go to cast their ballot? Poll workers are safe when they support people in casting their ballot.
2: Right. So each of the municipal clerks has um, emergency management plans. So any you know either if there's an active shooter, we had a we had this situation happen in the last election in the village of. Brooklyn. I don't know if you remember this, but an elderly individual was upset that a tree trimming truck stopped in front of his house because he thought they were going to cut down this oak tree, pulls a gun, starts firing it, and it was the same block or within a block of the polling place. And of course, every SWAT vehicle shows up, can't get into the polling place. It was unrelated to the election, but we had to move the polling place to another location, let everybody know. And, and so we've gone through a lot of these scenario training with clerks on how, what to do. I will say I have not seen any, any efforts to intimidate in Dane County or there have been some uh, activities in Green Bay in particular, but, but in general, I haven't seen it. And the Republican Party set up a sort of a training to get observers. If you remember this in the last in the last election I do. November. And it was fine. I honestly think we should, you know, get more people to actually work the polls who are skeptical because then they understand how many security features there are, how many checks there are in the system. Um, and, and so I thought that actually kind of turned out to be a positive. Hopefully, maybe I'm being optimistic, but uh, so, you know, I think it is very safe to vote in person. I haven't seen... Some of the things we've seen in Arizona with people hanging around, haven't seen it here so far. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, Wisconsin seems to be a little more reasonable than, than some of these other states. I mean, you know, Michigan took over the Capitol and tried to kidnap their governor. That hasn't happened here. Um, we've taken over our capital. Well, we, you know... <laughs>
0: It was a lot it was a bunch of teachers and there was a lot of like arts and crafts and A lot of
2: blue tape that cost millions of dollars or something. But yeah. Yeah.
0: But I'm like, this is I, I wouldn't don't sell us short. We're we can we can be with
2: guns. With guns. We
0: we can be um politically, you know active without being violent or intimidating and i think that there's there's something to say for that as a real distinguisher right is i am i'm fully in support of people protesting i'm fully in support of people holding their government accountable i think when you show up with a machine gun um that that is different and i think we continue to to you know you know not emphasize the the level of threat that happens um when when folks show up heavily armed um to to voice their political opinion yeah you have had folks threaten you with a weapon particularly an axe which feels really you know wisconsin kind of woodsy you know i'm imagining kind of a a paul bunyan character shows up to try to harm you um what 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 was that like? How did that shift kind of your perspective of of safety within your role as an elected official?
2: Yeah, what it, what it taught me is that there are there are just a number of individuals in our community around the state that uh, have mental health problems. They can obsess on a certain topic, and then they can be dangerous. And yeah, we I come to work one day and there's a guy with an axe waiting. For me and a couple other people to show up. And I ignorantly just walk up right to him and start talking to him like an idiot. And uh so that was yeah. This is the
0: problem because you're just like friendly. Like a friendly dog yes. just
2: wandering up like an idiot. <laughs> so
0: Did you see the axe and you were just like, Oh, that's yeah, that's quirky? I was like,
2: hmm. I don't see that every day. <laughs> he, he was sharpening it on a stump.
0: What did he, oh my God, <laughs> what did this Game of Thrones character say to you when you decided to well, be I friendly? He, I think
2: he was surprised I walked up to him, too, as I was a little bit of awkward. And and finally, I see all these chalkings about, you know, anger toward the Kathleen Fox, Scott McDonald, and then I was like, hmm. And then just as I was like, then the cops showed up. So he was right out on the front steps of the city county building. But at another event, he said he was going to blow up the city county building. He was upset about a county contractor and was just really obsessed about it and couldn't control his anger mm, so that's pretty
0: terrifying but that's
2: what worries me on the election front you know like it that's you see that happen where the rhetoric that comes that attacks election officials most people ignore it maybe they're a little mad maybe they say something online but there's just a handful of people all it takes for one of them to start stalking you saw that in New Mexico I met the clerk. When I was in Maricopa County the other weekend, I met the clerk who had gunshots in his house. With he's got a small kid, mm. and he didn't even know what he didn't even know what happened. But these other uh, election officials got shot at. And then he went back and found the bullet holes in his own house.
0: That's that's pretty. That feels like it's a scary time to to have this kind of role when people are you know in that space and when kind of that is is being prompted and promoted by certain people who have major platforms. Right. You've got, uh, you know, folks in 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 the Congress doing some some pretty, you know, intense things. You have folks in the Senate. You have a a, a member of our government calling for a national divorce, which sounds like a kind of a cute way to say civil war. do you worry that this is kind of the tip of the iceberg, that this could be the new normal, that we could see a more and more hostile climate um, for for elections, that there is so much division um, amongst Americans politically, that there is less and less tolerance for one another?
2: Yeah, I think the only thing that'll help and maybe reverse the trend is just if, if it seems like you're going to lose unless you put that down within Mm. you know I don't know it took Robin Voss how long to realize Gableman was a problem for him Mm. I guess when he went after him you know and endorsed his opponent but but really they there's just a general cowardice out there to deal with it and I know they think oh I'm gonna get defeated I'll get primary then I'll be gone and you'll wish I was here and I'm like yeah but if you're not gonna do anything if you're not gonna tell the truth about how I mean all of the Republicans I know at the Capitol they all know the election's fine they know that no one's rigging it You know,
0: I wish I could say that I thought being an election denier would mean that you would lose in Wisconsin. But Ron Johnson kind of disproved that. Ron Johnson did come out on the side of Donald Trump and say that the election was stolen. Ron Johnson did take steps in Wisconsin to help overturn the election. Um, Absolutely. You know, I I don't think that Ron Ron Johnson was deeply damaged by his his willingness to undermine the integrity of, of an election. What does that say to you about kind of where uh, Americans are at or where, you know, specifically folks across the state of Wisconsin are?
2: Well, right. I think it's it's hanging in the balance. But I do think a lot of candidates did lose who were endorsed by the Donald Trump and who ran on election denial platform. And Ron Johnson tried to run run away from that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. He was there. He was in the middle of it, texting, trying to figure out. you know, you saw it in some of the documents that came out from the January sixth committee how involved Ron Johnson was, but he did not run on that, um, and other others who did lost. So we kind of, uh, but you know that things can change, and you're right. It should have been disqualifying, but here we are. <laughs>
0: Uh, I completely agree with you that it should have been disqualified, and I deeply hoped that folks in Wisconsin would be really turned off um, by the fact that he had subscribed to that kind of rhetoric. We do have another caller on the line, so I want to bring them on before we run out of time. How are you doing today?
1: Uh, fair. Um, before the idiot from Georgia proposed divorce, I recognized that that was a possibility. So recently I have thinking, um, they need to add up how states have voted, say, for the last 20 years, and the ones that have voted for Trump, more than 60%, can be the Confederate states of America again, resurrected from the grave. And the states which consistently voted uh, 60% for the, the major Democrat um, candidates, president, governor, senator, they can remain the United States of America. And then the bunch in the middle, Which have been 40 to 60% for one party and 40 to 60% for the other consistently this century, they would be the purple states of America with the option to rename themselves something else if they want to. All right.
0: so we're we're moving away from the United States of America to the divided states of America. Um, I gotta say, uh, the new the new Confederacy is not gonna work well for for me. Um, I'm not really interested in 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 the re-emersion of of what that was, particularly having an understanding of the first source documents drafted by the Confederacy that were really pro-slavery. Um, Scott, what's your reaction to uh, to our caller, Ron?
2: Yeah, I'm not pro-slavery. If that was your question, no, I, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think the the Thank problem goodness. think think about all the people who be in those states in that scenario who would now have their rights taken away. I mean, not everyone can just move states, right? So no, we we had a civil war to reta- remain as a lot of people died to to uh retain this union. So I would not support uh anything like that.
0: I I mean, I think that there's a a desire and I feel this like on a very deep level as a community but also you know within my family there that you have to be able to have different ideas um, and and stay in the conversation, you know. Um, so I want to thank you, Scott, for for staying in the conversation, for joining us today. Before you jump off here, what are some things you just want folks to know about voting? About voting early? About getting out there and and you know making democracy work for them?
2: Yeah, I would recommend voting early. That way, nothing happens to you on election day where you you know you're not not able to vote. Get your tell your friends and family that this is an important election. It, every election is important, but I think people should really reach out and answer questions for folks. Use myvote.wi.gov as a resource. You know, it'll answer your questions that you may have about IDs or where your polling place polling places move. You know, I think sometimes people don't think that, but they do. So check that. Um, and then you know, on that site is a tracker. It'll tell you if you need to vote absentee, where it is in the system. Use that feature. So, um, but you know, we one of the things I just to finish. You know, we have a paper ballot for every vote in this county and in this state. We audit those results, and by hand, you can actually go and watch that happening. We pu- we publish every ballot image to the web. You can click through every single ballot in this county. And and see the results for yourself, not just at the top of the ballot, all the way down. We have tried to be as as transparent as humanly possible, and we're hoping that by promoting that and letting people know that that they can, you know. Either understand that themselves and also talk to their family members about, you know, what the security features, what the transparency is about our election.
0: Scott, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today on W O R T eighty nine point nine FM. I'm your host Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. We'll be back next Tuesday. Make sure you vote. Make sure you vote early. Huge shout out to Scott McDonald, our county clerk.